There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. The book of Job is a wonderful book in the sense of it's a it's a look at the heart of a man that loves God, has gone through a great trial, but then God, in that trial, reproves him. He's an upright man, one that sheweth evil, yet God reproves him. To do that, God had to silence him. When God silenced Job, then Job listened to what the Lord had to say. And this is Job's response in Job 42 to the Lord speaking to him. And Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. Job said, these are things too wonderful for me. Things that I cannot understand. And I want to look at a couple of things in Job's life, but I want to deal with this thought tonight of things too wonderful. These are things beyond our comprehension. Things beyond our understanding. The working of God. His ways above our ways, his thoughts above our thoughts. And Job brings that to light. And when God revealed himself to Job, when Job saw things too wonderful, then Job said, I repent in dust and ashes. And I want to look at three things tonight with the Lord's help in Job's life. If you go back to the first book or the first chapter of the book of Job, and I'll begin reading the first chapter. The first one of the chapter says this There's a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. A perfect man. What does that mean? 
He stands before God being made perfect. Job stands before God and he comes to God. He knows the Lord, communes with God. Yet we see a tragedy unfold in Job's life beyond the, the pale of tragedy, beyond the, the, the sorrow that I can comprehend and understand. Yet in all this, Job cursed not God. Some people today get a hangnail and they blame God. And some people get a little fidgety in their life and they get out of sorts with God. Job went through great tragedy. And we'll see in these pages some of the tragedy that he went through. And in verse 8, the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in the earth. And this is what the Lord said of him. A perfect and an upright man. One that feareth God and showeth evil. And Satan goes on and for the sake of time I'll, I'll leave some of this. But he accuses God of putting a hedge about him. And rightfully so. God has protected Job. God has watched out for Job. God has protected all that he had. And Satan accuses God. In verse 11, he says, But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. So Satan tells God, If you touch everything that man has, take away the things dearest to him, he'll curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now, this is where my understanding begins to fail me. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating, were drinking, wine their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they had to slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. God's hand is removed from Job, and Job loses his wealth. Oxen, asses, the flocks were a sign of wealth. They were what a man relied on for his wealth. Job has lost that. In verse 16, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away. Yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone am escaped to tell thee. He's lost his sheep. He's lost his oxen. Lost his asses. Lost his camels. He's lost his wells. He's lost his means to riches. While he was yet speaking, there came another. And said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness 
and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this, Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Job has lost his sons. He's lost his daughters. He's lost his wealth. He's lost the riches of his, of his flocks. He's lost his ability to get wealth by, by his own means. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. What does he mean? He didn't lay this to God's charge. He has put his trust in God's hand. He's put his life in God's hands. He had put his sons and daughters by offering sacrifice for them in God's hands. Naked came a man to this world. And let me just say this. I'm heading out of here naked. And if I head out of here naked, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. If I leave with what I came with, I'll be satisfied. In chapter 2, he continues on and again the Lord is challenging Satan in verse 3. And he says, he still, speaking of Job, he still holdeth fast his integrity. Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, that all that a man hath will he give for his life. Yea, all that a man hath will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. So the second time Satan tells the Lord, you take his health away, you destroy his body, he'll curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord, and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a potsherd to scrape himself withal, and he sat down among the ashes. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. His own wife has told him to curse God and die. I want to look at three things that failed Job. First and foremost, can I say this? In verse 7, his flesh failed him. His body failed him. We see him in verse 7. He is smoked with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. What does that mean? If he takes a step, there's boils on the sole of his foot. If he lays his head down on his pillow, there are boils on his head. He is covered from the crown to the sole, from the sole to the crown, with sore boils. 
His body has failed him. And can I say to you, friend, every one of us is just a reality. Our body is going to fail us. We're in a day of foolishness where people treat their body like an object. They treat their body as though there's some type of an Adonis. They treat their body as though there's going to be some type of a superstar. But do you realize that you can exercise and lift weights and stretch and eat vegetables and drink vegetable broth and get injections and do whatever you got to do? But there's going to come a point in time in your life, bad news, your body is going to fail you. What then will you do with Jesus when your body has failed you? How then will your relationship be with the Savior when you don't have the power of your strength? A young man, and by the way, his strength is a pleasure to see. I enjoy the strength of young men. Listen, I'm weak as water anymore. I'm as soft as a, as a ball of putty anymore. But I'll never till now let these young men know that. They're scared of me. And I've made it that way. But they always say, young man, I don't want to say his name, but he always is talking about, you know, strong and strength. And he has no idea that he can whip me in a fight. You know why? Because I've gotten old enough now. I'm smart enough to know. One, I'm not fighting anybody, okay? And two, if it does happen and I can't control it, I'm going to be out of commission for a while. You know why? The body is failing. Now, that young man, again, cocky, cocky. A couple of years ago, he said, Brother McVeigh, you've got to prove to yourself. The young, cocky preacher, I looked him in his eyeballs. I said, i got nothing to prove. If God can't prove me, I don't have a thing to prove. If God can't prove me, I don't have to prove myself to anybody. And that goes across the board for any area of your life. I can jump further. I can jump higher. I can climb faster. I can run faster. I can do all of those things. I remember my grandpa could pound a six-penny nail with a tap and a smash. And that's not an exaggeration. And that's not good Ponderosa Western Pine. That's not good Douglas fir wood, that framing wood. And he'd pull that six penny out, he'd go tap, bang. He carried a hammer bigger than I could lift. In his 60s, he had forearms the size of my thighs. In his 60s. We laid Grandpa down to rest in Christ two years ago in May. You know why? His body failed him. His body let him down. His body, his flesh, failed him. If that's all you have is the strength of your flesh, one of these days you'll be in for a rude awakening when it smacks you in the face and you'll realize that you wasted your life trying to feed your body and train your body rather than paying attention to the things of God. You realize all athletes retire? They all go, can I say, to the boneyard? And listen, they may show up at award shows and they shoot them full of cortisone and, you know, they massage them and give them chirotherapy and try to freeze them so they feel better. And 
They walk out there like zombies. They're talking, oh, how good he looks and how fit he looks. But what they don't tell you is it took him two, three days to get out of bed to show up at the show. I remember meeting Johnny Unitas at a mall. He was signing autographs. I wanted to meet the great Johnny Unitas. And they wouldn't let him shake hands. His hands were so curled up from the agony and the suffering of arthritis because of sports injuries. But they gave their life and their bodies to sport. And they gave their bodies uh, to be abused. They gave their bodies for entertainment. And even their bodies failed. I'm not mocking or making light. But all it took for Superman, this is not a joke, but all it took for Superman was to fall off a horse and his body failed him. I remember Brother Billy Mitchell preaching many years ago in Mississippi and he made a statement. He said, you ever been so sick you couldn't pray? He said, you ever been so sick you couldn't pray? He said, I was in the hospital for three months and I couldn't pray that he made this great statement. He said, I'm glad I prayed when I could pray. He said, I was so sick, I couldn't pray for myself. But he said, I prayed when I could pray. Before my body failed me, I prayed. Before my eyesight failed me, I read. Before my hearing failed, I heard the word of God. Before my legs failed, I walked the streets and walked to visit and shared the gospel. Before my hands failed, I gave to the glory of God. Before my flesh failed, I gave it to God, holy lock, stock, and barrel. Ladies, you can paint it. You can decorate it. You can adorn it. You can sandblast it. You can laser therapy it. You can stretch it. You can trim it. You can augment it. You can puff it up and you can Botox it. But I'm sorry to tell you it's going to fail. Didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You can tan it till it looks like leather. It's still going to fail you. You better have more than outward. You better have more than flesh. You better have more than the appearance. Boy, I've said many times, and I'll just go ahead and say it here. Boy, I was always thankful my grandma looked like a grandma. And you can say amen and help me out on that. Hey, when I see a picture of a grandma, I know it's a grandma. She doesn't wear mini skirts like her granddaughter. She doesn't dress like Jezebel like her granddaughter. You know what she does? She cooks. She cleans. She loves the grandchildren. She makes things for them. She teaches them. She trains them. She loves them. She doesn't act like them. She doesn't dress like them. She doesn't talk like them. She doesn't play games like them. She's a grandma. You know why that bothers people today? Because grandma's trying to be hip and cool rather than be a grandma. I tell you what I remember my grandma for. It wasn't being hip and cool. It was for making cookies, and there's nothing more cool than that. I joked about it one time in Black Creek. And I said my grandma always smelled like bakery. She smelled like sugar and flour and cinnamon and chocolate. Those are good memories of grandma. She's 98 now. She was 96 years old when we went out and saw her when grandpa died. We got there in the morning, and I snuck in. Listen, I don't want to put her out. The police don't tell her ever. I snuck in McDonald's, got a couple egg McMuffins, threw the bread away, ate the egg McMuffin and the guts inside of that thing. Went over to Grandma's house. She's frying bacon. 96 years old. She said, Tim, I made you breakfast. I just kept my mouth shut. I said, oh, thank you, Grandma. Hey, at 96 years old, I want to thank God my Grandma made me a breakfast. Amen. Laid it on the table. Why? Because she took an interest in being a Grandma. 
knowing full well one day her body may fail her, but giving herself to servitude. And by the way, servitude is something grandmas do for the grandchildren. They serve them, not to meet their needs, but to teach them, to train them, to instruct. That's the elder teaching the younger. That's what that is. That's what the scripture in Titus chapter 2. How to be chaste, and how to be modest, and how to be discreet, how to love their children, love their own husbands, be a keeper at home. Grandma teaches those things. Today they teach them how to use the Visa card. Come on now, try to try on clothes, how to look in the mirror, how to primp, how to pump. The Bible said to teach them to be chaste and modest and discreet. How to love, how to, hey, listen, you think it's natural to love a man? You got another thing coming. You think it's easy to love a man? You got another, that's why you got to teach them how to love their own husbands. Teach them to obey their husbands. Why? Because men are just awful creatures. And you can say amen, ladies. It'll be all right. <laughs> Grandma teaches them how to love that man. When he's stinky and gross and ugly and awful and mean. Love him. Because one day your flesh is going to fail. And you won't be able to do it anymore. Right. Right. I remember my grandpa always took me fishing. And I, always, I knew Grandpa loved to fish. He'd tell fishing stories. I grew up loving to fish. Grandpa would always take me fishing. Now, you have to understand, my grandpa lived 2,600 miles from my house. I didn't just go to Grandpa's to go fishing. You had to plan. You had to think ahead. When I'd go see Grandpa, the few times we went to Washington State, we'd go fishing. When he'd come back to Maryland to visit, we'd go fishing. Caught on with me later on. You know why Grandpa took me fishing? It was just me and him and the King James Bible. Yeah. That's why he took me fishing. And I remember out there sitting on a bucket. Nothing's biting hot. Blustery day. Grandpa would look over at me and say, Tim, are you right with God? I'd lie through my teeth. I'd bluster through my teeth. But he was strong. I said, he was strong. His flesh failed. So he was a perfect man, one that eschewed evil. He was an upright man. And his flesh still failed him. But in all that, he cursed not. The Lord giveth, he taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I've lost everything I have in this flesh, can I say blessed be the name of the Lord? Not only did Job's flesh fail him, but I want you to notice this. Verse 8, verse 9, his family failed him. Job was in the misery of life. Now listen, there's no explanation. When you lose everything and you lose your loved ones, you lose your sons and daughters. Can I say to you, the grief is beyond comprehension. The sorrow of losing a child is beyond understanding unless you've lost a child. The grief that consumes your heart in losing that child. He lost all of his children. And he sorrowed over those children. And he grieved over those children. 
And there comes his wife. The last person that could have comforted him. Why don't you curse God and die? It wasn't just his flesh failed him. But then his family failed him. And can I say to you, you'll find out in life your, your family is going to fail you. You realize the courts of the United States are filled with lawsuits. By some figures, they say 15 to 20 percent of lawsuits filed in the United States every year are family members. If you realize families fail, dad will fail you, mom will fail you, brothers and sisters will fail you. Can I just be honest about this? Husbands can fail their wives. And wives can fail their husbands. And don't let me put grandpa on a pedestal. <coughs> Grandpas can fail. Grandmas can fail. Let's dig a little deeper. Evangelists can fail. Pastors can fail. God's people can fail you. At your lowest time in your life, you may feel like God's people have failed you. In those dark hours of the night, it may feel like God's people have failed you. Job's own wife told him to curse God and die. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania. 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory.